If you would turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 8. Ephesians 5, 8 through 20. And uh, following the reading of Scripture, we will sing together the Gloria Patri printed for you in your bulletin. Ephesians 5, verse 8. And please stand for the reading of God's holy word. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God will add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let's bow for a moment of prayer. Father in heaven, as we come to your word today, we ask your blessing upon it. Uh, May you uh, bless our consideration of this passage and of this truth and these ideas And may they, in all things, glorify you and direct our steps to honor you in in our lives. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We as a church don't really follow the liturgical calendar very much. We, uh, We do reflect on the sufferings, death, and resurrection of Christ at the time of Easter. We do reflect on... Uh, the birth of Christ at the uh, time of Advent. But other than that, we we don't really follow uh, the the church calendar. Uh, The only holy day is the Lord's Day. But for those uh, churches that do follow the the liturgical calendar, today is Pentecost Sunday. It's uh, seven weeks, 50 days following Easter uh, is when uh, the the Pentecost is thought about. And uh, we're not in a series, uh, and so I thought I would have us think about this uh, topic, this truth today. Um, I have preached on it once before, but it was, oh, it was over 20 years ago, so <clears throat> I don't think you can feel like I'm overusing the topic. But at any rate, the, the, the focal point of the message today, as we think about this particular topic, this particular idea, the focal point is that the message of Pentecost is that we are equipped to live the Christian life, that God has provided uh, resources, he's provided uh, the, the needs, uh, provided for the needs that we have to live 
a godly life in Christ Jesus. And the Feast of Pentecost is all about that. The Feast of Pentecost is all about our having, being equipped uh, to live for the Lord. And the passage we read today were Paul's encouragements for us to live in a way that honors uh, the Lord. And so what I want to do first is to, in general, review the three great pilgrimage feasts of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and then to compare the Old Testament festivals with the uh, fulfillment in the New Testament, and then uh, try to draw all that together. There were three great pilgrim uh, pilgrimage uh, festivals and feasts in the Old Testament. And it was at that time of year, those times of year, when all the men were summoned to go up to Jerusalem and their families often went with them. The three that uh, pilgrimage festivals, there are other festivals and feasts, but these are the three where they had to travel. The first is Passover. The second is uh, the Feast of Pentecost. The third is the Feast of Tabernacles. And there's some other names to these that we'll see along the way. Uh, two are in the spring, Passover the first, and then the uh, 50 days later, Pentecost. Uh, so there's two spring traveling festivals. And then the, the third one is in the fall. And in Deuteronomy 16, we're told three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is Passover, the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And you can go to Leviticus 23 sometime and read through uh, those and some other feasts that were given by, by God to first people to celebrate. Uh, but it's these three feasts that I, I want to focus on. We get an illustration of, of how this occurred in the, in the book of Samuel. Elkanah would go up with his family. His family would go with him up to the major pilgrim feast. And Hannah, remember, his wife was barren. And she wept before the Lord at the temple of the Lord that God would give her a son. And he did, God did, and that's Samuel that God gave to her. But before we look at these three festivals, there are two covenantal thoughts, principles that I want uh, to have you have in your minds as we, we go through this. The first is the principle of diversity. Now I'm gonna mention unity in a minute, but uh, there are changes and development and progression in the covenant outworking of God's redemptive plan. And so it it's, uh, would be a mistake to think that we're required to keep these festivals today. They're not a part of our life as a church today. And uh, why we know this in part is in Colossians, Paul will say, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So these Old Testament festivals, very, very important. They're a shadow of the reality. The reality is Christ. 
So our focus as new covenant believers is in the reality, the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's fine for you to get educated about these feasts. It's fine even for you historically to perhaps as a family uh, celebrate one of them to just kind of go through the discipline of educating yourselves. But it's not a requirement of our faith that we keep these festivals any longer. And then the second covenantal principle is just the idea of unity, the unity in Christ. All of these things uh, are pointing to Christ. Uh, the whole Bible's Christ-centered. The Old Testament is Christ-centered. The New Testament is Christ-centered. The Old Testament is Christ-anticipating. The New Testament is Christ-fulfilled. And so he's the center point of all of these things. Uh, Last Sunday night, we read this verse from John 5, uh, Jesus talking to the Jews. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are they that testify about me. So when we read the Old Testament, we have to keep uh, the anticipation of Christ in our view. And all of these festivals, along with the sacrificial systems, were in a sense the catechism of the, the, is, uh, the Church of Israel, in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant Church, to bring them to Christ. It governed them, it guided them, uh, it presented him, and now we have the reality of Christ having come and fulfilled all these things. So let's think about these three festivals, and we'll begin with Passover. And if you would turn to Exodus chapter 12, Exodus 12. This is the festival of redemption, of being delivered from the bondage uh, under which they were, Israel was, was at that time. And in Exodus chapter 12, Beginning at verse 12, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. And then skip down to verse 21. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood and uh, into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. Not one of you shall go out the door of his house until morning. And when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. 
So we have this rich and wonderful celebration that they were commanded to keep for all the generations to come. And it was a celebration, a festival of redemption. Uh, It was uh, the people were under a severe judgment and God was going to pour out his judgment upon uh, the Egyptians and his people would be spared if they uh, killed the lamb and put his blood on the, the doorpost and on the sides of the door. And this festival, this celebration would be a, a reminder to the believing Israelite that God redeemed them from the hand of slavery and delivered them from that. And the price of that was the appointed the appointed lamb. It was the lamb of the sacrifice. That's how God provided redemption for them. And so they were to focus on it and being delivered from the bondage of slavery meant that they could live for the Lord. They would begin a pilgrimage that would last until they get to the promised land. And the parallel that you and I have in the new covenant is the Lord's Supper. Uh, it also, in Jesus, in, in, in his last supper, the last celebration of Passover with the disciples, he transitioned it, he instituted the Lord's Supper because it was a picture of the lamb for the sacrifice. And Peter will tell us, you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, the lamb without blemish, and without spot. And so whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are reminded of that lamb. And we are reminded that only at the price of that lamb can we be can we be redeemed. And once redeemed, once delivered from the bondage of sin, then we are put on a pilgrimage. Um, and so the the first festival focuses on redemption and uh, their redemption from the bondage of slavery in Egypt, our redemption from the bondage of slavery to sin. So we go from the first pilgrimage festival. Now I want to go to the last one. And here I will have you turn to Leviticus chapter 23. It's the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And I go to it next. We go from the first festival to the last festival because it reminds us of our life now and where we're headed. So in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 42, God says, live in booths for seven days. All native born Israelites are to live in booths. So your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of Egypt I am the Lord, your God. There's two things about this festival that was important for them. One was it uh, reminded them that they were on a pilgrimage, that this world was not their home. They had to live in tents. It it reminded them uh, throughout the wilderness wanderings. It would remind them when they actually entered the land, they would remember that life is a pilgrimage. This world is not our home. We're passing through. And so it reminds us of, of that life that we live in this earth 
for the Lord, but it also points us ahead that we're not going to be in tents forever. Our housing is not going to be temporary forever. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples in the upper room, do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. For behold, in my father's house, there are many mansions or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. And so the booths remind us of the temporary life we're in now, but it's pointing us ahead to the permanent home that God has planned for us. So that all the time of our journey, we keep our focus where we're headed. And where we're headed is Revelation 21. So go ahead and jump all the way there. There are many places in the Old Testament where God talks about him being a canopy over us, of being a shelter and a shade. You go back and read Psalm 121. What a wonderful, encouraging psalm. And Psalm 90. But here we have the conclusion in, in Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, <clears throat> prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And so the bookends of these two, two of these great pilgrimage festivals is telling us where we start through the blood of the Lamb and where we end in the dwelling place of God forever. And in between... We're on a pilgrimage. We're on a journey. And that's where Pentecost comes in. The Old Testament Feast of Pentecost is a wonderfully significant reminder of what God provides for us and the help that he gives us along the way. It's sometimes called the Festival of the First Fruits. The reason it's called the Festival of the First Fruits is because it was the time of the early harvest. Uh, it was the, the time when the, the, the beginning, the early uh, produce was, was harvested and they could have that. <clears throat> and the purpose of the Festival of First Fruits was twofold. One was so that they could thank God for the provision that he made early on. And that they would live in faith in the expectation that he would bring in the full harvest at the end of the season. So it was an opportunity to thank God and an opportunity to express our great faith in what God would give us, uh, how he would provide for us. It's Jewish tradition that the 
festival of Pentecost also celebrates the anniversary of giving the law, which that also is God's equipping his people. How are they to live in the wilderness? How are they to live in the land that the Lord their God would be giving them? Well, they live it according to the commands of God. They guide their lives. They live by faith. They direct their, the, the, the way they live their lives according to what God has told them. And we have that equipping of the Old Testament saints to guide them in their pilgrimage toward the land of promise and toward the eternal home. It's what you might call an enabling festival. It's how can they be equipped and helped uh, along the way? Well, the Pentecost is a reminder of that. It's a a picture of that, doing that. But then when we switch gears and go to the New Testament festival of Pentecost, what do we see on that very first Pentecost? We see the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples of God. And we see them empowered to serve the Lord, to give a, a, a vivid and a powerful testimony to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That equips them. It wasn't a couple months ago, seven, eight weeks ago, that Peter was humiliated before a servant girl in the garden outside Jesus' trial. And there he is on the day of Pentecost, standing before a huge multitude, powerfully declaring to the authorities who would love nothing more and they they will arrest him love nothing more than to bring him to harm powerfully declaring the glory of Christ he's been equipped he's been strengthened Uh, the uh, day of Pentecost was the in gathering of the early harvest on that day 3,000 souls were saved it's something we can be so grateful for and we act, we go forward in faith, anticipating God will bring in the full harvest of all his people in, at, by the, at the last day. So we're thankful for God's work and we trust him to continue that work. It's a, again, an equipping of God's people to live by faith and in faith. So I'll have you go back to Ephesians um, where we, we began where we're reading. We'll start with in chapter four, though. The, the festival of Pentecost, the new covenant Pentecost, is a reminder that God provides for us the strength we need to live a godly life, to grow in Christ. And we'll begin in Ephesians 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order, to, in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers 
to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Christ came, he suffered and he died and he ascended. And when he ascended, he poured out gifts for men, the Holy Spirit being one of them. And the Holy Spirit is poured out, is given to every believer. Every single believer has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower them, to enable them, to equip them so that they might grow into maturity, so that they might live the godly life. It's what Paul was saying in the verses we read. If you skip down to chapter 5, verse 15, be very careful then how you live. So this is 515, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And it's something that is true. It's a fact uh, when you become a Christian. When you come to know the Lord, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And he dwells in you so that you might be careful to how you live. So that you might live your pilgrim life for the glory of God. And we cry out to God, we call on him and ask for his help, and he gives it to us through his spirit and through his word. There's an interesting kind of a side note. On the day the law or the period when the law was given, three, Exodus 32 tells us 3,000 Israelites were killed because of their uh, worship of the golden calf. And here we have in the New Covenant, Pentecost, 3,000 souls that are saved. A reversal of the idolatry of the Old Covenant to the wonderful worship of, of God and the service of God and the first fruits of the harvest. The result of Passover is that God's people are set free set free from the bondage of sin and put on the path of righteousness and obedience. Uh, The tabernacles helps keep us in view where our, our goal is, in the dwelling place of God forever. And in between, we live. We live for the Lord. We live by his grace, by his equipping The Israelites were equipped and directed to their appointed goal, but they didn't make it because of unbelief. You and I have been redeemed by the blood of Christ and put on the path. And the encouragement and the the exhortation to us is be thankful for what you have in the Lord. And anticipate what you have to hope for. And may the equipping that God has done in your life encourage you and enable you to live for him uh, in the days ahead. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your abundant grace and mercy. We thank you that you've given us 
the Holy Spirit, thank you that you redeemed us by the blood of Christ. Thank you that you've given to us your word in all aspects, that it might guide and direct our path. We pray, O Lord, that you would uh, encourage us and empower us by your grace, that as we live as pilgrims in this world, we do so with a great deal of confidence for where we're headed and a great deal of hope in what you will accomplish. Thank you for the early fruit that you've given to us. And we look forward to that great and wonderful day when your harvest will be fully poured out. Give us your strength as we do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.